you make sure you have people whose interests are aligned with your interests because the interest of the wholesaler is to make a wholesale fee. Real estate agents are fantastic and it's great to have a great agent. I think you got to build a relationship with somebody that you can trust, but a real estate agent is making money off the transaction. So it's really important when you're there, especially when you're new, yeah. because it's harder for you to understand what the what what's going on, right? It's hard for you to understand that, oh my God, this foundation thing can be bigger than I thought. And so I think it's even more important, or it's it's another reason why it's important to have a good like sphere of people that are experienced that you can lean on. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Creating Wealth Podcast, where I, Kyle, from Kyle Curtin Real Estate, interview local top dogs in the real estate investing, wealth building, and personal finance industries. Let's build together. What's up, guys? The guest on this week's episode of the podcast is doing some huge things in the local private lending space. Michael has been in several different parts of the real estate industry over his career, from being a real estate agent, to an investor, to a private lender. In the second part of this interview, Michael and I get to talk about some pretty big topics to set you on a great path to doing great things as a real estate investor. In this episode, we chat about creating the team with the right interests in mind, learning valuable lessons from constantly absorbing, the power of giving when starting a new business, and so much more. There is so much to digest in this episode, and I hope you enjoy. Let's jump right into the episode. But I think there's two kind of paths that you can take, and there's value to both. But um, the wealth part, I mean, if you go and you take the the job route and you're making two or 300 grand a year, it, it is, right? You're, you're making great money. So you have, you have great money coming in every month, yeah. right? Or $500,000 a year. But are you really creating like true wealth? I don't know. I don't know if you really are. Or if you take the other path, you might be eating ramen noodles a lot. And, <laughs> and you, might be, you may have roommates, right? And you may live in a multifamily and you may not drive the car that you always want if you want to take that other path. But I think the other path at the, at the end, I think it's, you can, I mean, again, everybody's different, whatever you're looking for as an individual. Yeah. If you're okay having a little bit less on the short term and you want it for the long term, I, I, I think that real estate and entrepreneurialism is the way to go. I absolutely love that, man. And yeah, it's like to stem, you know, back to something you said uh, a little bit earlier, it's, I feel like it, like, it's not talked about as much, um, kind of like the mental strain, I guess you could say, like that real estate is sometimes and like kind of losing faith and like, you know, like you haven't been able to reap the rewards of like, you know, the things that you've been doing and like challenges are coming up like every which way. And like, it's hard to like, just stick with it sometimes. But if you do, like, eventually you're going to get there. And like it's gonna be I mean, so everyone, and everybody's gonna get there. Yeah. I am I am I am right. I'm probably the smartest guy with average intelligence, right around. <laughs> I am not that <laughs> smart. And the one thing I noticed when I when I was younger and I was working with people that were older than me, they were wise and experienced, but I don't think they had this level of intelligence that 
that me or you or or anybody probably listening to this podcast doesn't have. What you need is, is um, determination and, 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 and the willpower. Yeah. And you, and you, need, to, you need courage because it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> That's all you need. Yeah. You know, and I really eventually, like Eventually, you need some people to believe in you too along the way. Yeah. That helps you to reach things. People believed in me and helped me out along the way. And it's I huge. hope that I can return the favor. I, I'm sorry, you go ahead. Oh, no, no, that's, um, it's huge, man. You know, it's like to be able to have that, that support circle to go to, like, cause like trying to do it on your own is, is definitely, you know, <laughs> quite the challenge, you know, like, especially, um, I, I talked about it on, uh, one of the other podcasts actually that hasn't gotten posted yet, but it, um, like going through this transaction, literally like, like everything kind of has gone wrong, I guess you could say. And like, just trying to make it through it, you know, has been pretty tough, but like, there have been a couple people that, you know, unfortunately have been able to go to, you know, that are a lot more experienced than I am that are like, Oh dude, like, it's not the end of the world. Like, you know, you just do this, this, and this, and it'll be all right. Like I've done this like a million times. Don't worry about it. You know, and like, just, just building that, that community and that support circle to get you through the challenges. You know, because like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are hundred percent uh, right. You know, I'm just thinking back at the CD I used to listen to with Robert Kawasaki. If I'm saying his name right, yeah, he said the same thing, and he talked about how it was so important is that when you get to the point where you're gonna get married, that the person that you're marrying has is okay with that path. Yeah. Because if that person wants a guaranteed paycheck every month and wants certain luxury items every month, you, that, that might not, there might be conflict later on yeah. in life. <laughs> can, can, I tell, can I tell you something? No. Yeah, definitely. So I've been in real estate for 20 years. Uh, I was very fortunate that I got to, that, in, like, I was lucky, very just stepped in it that in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, I was able to buy a whole bunch of properties and then then they just went up a lot in value and that then I was able to take that money and take it out and then lend with it and then leverage that money to be to the lending company. So I was very uh, fortunate in a lot of ways, but it never stops being hard. Yeah. Uh, right before the pandemic hit, I was building my first um, ground up more than it was 11 units but it was the biggest thing that we had ever done the only thing i'd done before that was two and three unit ground up single families yeah so we were about a year six months away from finishing a ground up building and then we got it was in boston so we got a stop work order and they shut us down for covid uh-huh. and then the building i'm in right now i was like i'm a genius i bought a commercial property and then and i thought i got a great deal on it and then COVID hit and I had the first floor was completely gutted at the time. I couldn't rent it. I'm in this office. And, and then when COVID hit too, we stopped lending for about six months. All the capital shut down. Nobody knew what was going to happen. So we got nervous. So we stopped lending for six months. Yeah. So I, and then everybody was working remote too. And, and, and the income in the company was going way down because we weren't doing business. And, and I bought this building in hard money. So it had a really high oh. interest rate. So yeah. <clears throat> I was sitting in this building at one point completely by myself. 
trying to figure out, I got all these loans and, and they're all construction loans and nobody's building and, and I couldn't rent anything in this building because nobody was even thinking about renting uh, uh, commercial space. Because at the time, big companies were leaving and everyone was working remote. And I was like, oh, why did I buy this building? And I just remember that was a tough time. And I think, I just think it's a grind. It's always a grind. And, but the one thing is because I, I had been through 2008 and I've been through grinds, I guess it does get a little bit, it doesn't get easier, but you just deal with it, I think, better as time goes on. You start to say, okay, you know, we've been through this before, I can get through it again. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Like, I, I honestly, like, kind of forgot about that. Like, did, like, most lenders altogether, like, really crack down, you know, once, like, COVID and stuff was really running rampant? Or, like, be a lot more conservative, so, I guess you could say? <laughs> we had we had $46 million in loans. Yeah. And, and, and just about everybody was paying on time. Everything was going real smooth. Mm-hmm. Well, COVID hit, and like a third of our borrowers asked if they could do a three month deferment. That means all three, basically that's a fancy way of saying, I don't have, I can't pay the mortgage. <laughs> Can you take three months of interest payments and put it on the back end of the loan? Like a, we did like a third of our portfolio and we use credit lines from, from banks yeah. to, to lend. I mean, we lend some of our own money, we leverage it in different ways, but we use credit lines from lending institutions. All of them ceased, all of them stopped uh called in either called in their lines or canceled their lines so we did we did do some loans for borrowers that had been with us for a long time we did a couple loans but our volume went down about 90 percent and i think across the board i think almost all lenders like myself we just from may of what was it 20 20 may of 20 till almost the almost until january of 21 hardly lent at all maybe did one or two deals a month for borrowers that we had been with for so long hell or high water we were going to continue to service them but it was scary it was a tough time it was really scary nobody knew what was going to happen it was almost like living through 2007 8 again in fact i thought it was yeah <laughs> and i remember saying to myself jesus i was unprepared for 2008 and now i'm unprepared again <laughs> But we got through it. I think everyone got through it. And I, I actually think there's a lot of good good came out of it because I've noticed that that I think a lot of investors now understand because if you started investing in say 2010, there's a mm-hmm. while ago, right? You don't know what it's like to have a downside market. Yeah. Right? Only all you know is that when you buy something, you could overpay for it and people laugh at you. And then a year later it's worth fifty thousand dollars more. Yeah, <laughs> not like that's that is like not the forever reality. Yeah. Like markets go up and they go, they go up and they go down. So I think COVID was good for everybody to make us kind of say like, hey, you know, we're in this business and there's risks, and we have to make sure that we're prepared if you know, you know what hits the fan, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a really big point, man. Like. You know, like nobody expected COVID at all. You know, it was like one of those like black swan events, like as they say, you know, it's super unpredictable. And like, you know, I I think that is, you know, a really, really good point about, you know, like 
maybe stepping back for a second, like when everything was hitting the fan or even like, you know, post or whatever kind of time period we're in right now, um, you know, and just kind of seeing from another angle that like most people have probably never seen before of like something like this, that's beyond unpredictable. And like, how can I, you know, try and like, I don't, I don't want to say like, try and like stay protected i guess something like that or or let hedge maybe like how can i like hedge against the unknown like a little bit yeah like as much as possible but like because you're totally right man like i i've never seen or you know just getting into things like in the past year or two i've only ever seen things on the upswing so far you know like i haven't seen anything (laughs) as a fan (laughs) you know what i mean like it's like being a it's like being like 30 years old and being a patriots fan (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. you have no idea what it's like to be to live like to, to to be a fan of like the patriots when i grew up in the 80s and 90s it was like so bad it was so bad. <laughs> and now it's like you know if we have like a boston team that doesn't win a championship like at least one a year we're like what the hell like this is ridiculous <laughs> you know it is i think it's a fine line though because i think i have uh bought properties uh, fix and flips as a borrower using hard money, plenty of times, tons in eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, I was doing it all the time. And as, as a lender and you say to yourself, okay, the borrower is going to put the down payment down in, in the, the, the transaction costs, and then they're going to uh, pay the mortgage every month. And, and if they're going to put a hundred grand of work into it, they need some startup money. Mm-hmm. So you probably, that borrower should probably have like 50 grand in the bank. Um, the day they closed the loan to have some security, mm-hmm. and, but I've gone in as a borrower and, and I didn't have the 50 grand and I might've been 25 grand short, even to close. And I'm scrambling two days before the closing to dial for dollars to borrow $25,000 from everyone that I know. Yeah. And then, and then somehow got into the deal and made it work. And, and that's part of being a, like a business and an entrepreneur and taking risks Yeah. But on the same token. If you do that too much, are you just like leaving yourself totally unprotected? I think that is something that's unquantifiable. And it's like, a, it's, I think the longer you do this for, the better, even though you can't quantify it, it'll be a feeling and you'll get, you'll get better at it. And if you don't, you'll just go out of business. So it's not a big deal. <laughs> I love that though. Like, like finding the balance of using leverage. So even like to your point, man, like there was, um, there was a deal earlier this year. Uh, I tried to buy, I had a three family in Lowell under contract for 612,000. And like, that was actually right after. So somebody, a couple of people kind of put the bug in my ear, you know, cause I was just looking for like duplexes. Like, this is all I can afford. Like, I'd love to stay in Lowell. Like, you know, three families, probably a bit too much jumping in. It was a lot smaller minded thoughts, I guess you could say. And then, you know, a couple people like just coincidentally were telling me like, Hey, you know, if you want to buy a three or a four family, you know, which is still considered residential, like they include like, you know, whatever it is, like a percentage of the the rents, right? Exactly. You know, and now all of a sudden your pre-approvals up like a few hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, Oh my God. So like, maybe this isn't the craziest thing in the world. So basically like I ended up getting a a pre-approval that was substantially higher than the one that I had for, you know, just a two family. I was like, all right, like maybe I can, 
take on a little bit more leverage than I could, you know, while still trying to stay relatively conservative and not like overburden myself. So I was like, all right. So I put this, um, this three family in Lowell under contracts, they were asking 600,000 and I, you know, gave them, uh, like a $12,000, like over asking, and then just asked for like a $12,000 closing credit. So, you know, guys, it's like essentially like you're paying like the asking price, but you're getting 12,000 back for your closing. So it's whatever, but <laughs> no, so that's legit do a, si- a side note, do that on every deal, but go, yeah. <laughs> always, but that's 12,000 less that you that's just have huge. to raise, right? It's huge. Huge. 100%. Like huge. if you can do it, like absolutely run with it. Yeah. You if, know? if you're buying a single family with your wife, it's harder to do. I mean, you probably could still do it a little bit, but uh, when you're buying multis, I think that's like, you got to do it, especially once you are putting 20% down every penny counts. Yeah, exactly. You know? And um, so I, I put this one under contract for six twelve, and, you know, we're going through the inspection because, you know, after seeing it, um, from the open house like I, I just fell in love with it man like it was a, a traditional triple decker like units right on top of each other it was on a corner lot and it had like an eight car driveway and like in a city and like lowell especially like you know getting off street parking is definitely not something to take for granted <laughs> so and you're not like, just oh. and you were you weren't just looking for a financial investment like there was an emotional well not an emotional but there was a like a life satisfaction, happiness factor that you were going to live there, right? Yeah, and so exactly. that makes it even more attractive. A hundred percent. Yeah, I I fell in love with it. You know, like you said, like from like a more personal standpoint, um, you know, and, and you, growing. You can see yourself being happy there. Exactly. That words yeah. it up perfect. Yeah. 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 And um, you know, as an investment, like I was blown away. Like it was a nine bedroom, three family, um, you know, units right on top of each other. It was in pretty decent condition, I thought. <laughs> and I'll get to that in a minute. It <laughs> <laughs> oh <boy>. was <laughs> a big lesson that I, that I learned from that one um, that I'll say. But, you know, we're walking through there and we hit the basement last, which I'll, I'll get to that in a second. So, you know, we're walking through the units and like the bedrooms are absolutely huge. And like, you know, especially in Lowell, um, you know, and like the guys who uh, like might be listening to this, you know, probably from like around this area. So, you know, you might know, especially, but like some of the bedrooms, you know, in some of these markets, you know, like Lowell, um, Leminster and like some of these other uh, more multifamily heavy markets, like the bedrooms, you can find some really small ones in there. So that's, that's kind of what I was used to. And I was like, all right, whatever. So walking through, like you could tell, I mean, like the interior and like the spaces themselves, they were in pretty decent condition. They, they needed like a little bit of work, a little bit of update and nothing too crazy. Um, and the bedrooms and stuff were huge. And like walking through it, like I was in awe. Like each of them had like a gas fire, uh, like a newer gas fired furnace, you know, with the duct work, like, you know, above the, the ceiling and stuff. Yeah. And um you know, like I was loving it. Like everything was all separate. Electric was separate. Like your heat, I believe was separate or yeah, the gas was gas and electric was separate. So everything was going okay. Now we get to the basement and we find out in the basement that like there was a ridiculous amount of structural damage that I didn't see right off the bat. And literally like the joists 
on the uh the basement you know like the ceiling of the basement like holding up the rest of those three floors if you went around the perimeter of the building um where they were sitting like on top of the foundation they were separated like an inch or two in some spots so like theoretically like the building was just kind of hanging and like there was probably, a bunch- probably not the, like not something that you can fix with like over yeah. the weekend with a couple of your friends <laughs> exactly you know meanwhile i'm a first time home buyer i'm like um <laughs> you know like i don't have 20 20 years of experience to be like oh like let me just call this guy like we might be able oh, to- let me yeah like more like let's like put all sister joyce's all over the place yeah. jack up the house put in the new and that would be expensive and a nightmare exactly and like basically what i ended up you know learning from going through the basement is um it was a much bigger it was much bigger than i could chew and that's kind of you know the lesson from this really long story is i figured that you know because i got a pre-approval that was substantially higher than what i got you know i was able to maybe take on a little bit more leverage for you know a potentially bigger return and I learned from that one that like, if I was to close on that, like I would have been toast. Like that was a much bigger project than I anticipated. And like, that's kind of the lesson here. Well, I ended up walking away from it if, if you didn't pick up on that, <laughs> but you know, like, I, cause I was thinking about getting like a structural engineer out there and like, it just, it stopped making sense. Right. You know what I mean? And thank God, because sometimes the emotional part starts yeah. to make the, a little fuzzy right? What's going exactly. on when you're not, if you were buying that strictly to rent and you had owned four or five of them and you already lived in a house, you just be like, you would have turned around and said, well, you know, oh, this is a great house. I love it. Oh, uh, all right. I'll see you later. Have a good day. Yeah. But like, it's, I think it's even harder in the beginning. And then it's harder if you're going to live there because whether you're going to live there or not, I don't know. It just, I don't do it as much now, but I think in the beginning, I think that emotional part plays a big factor yeah and it might not just be you're going to live there it might be like it's in the center of town everyone's going to see it and then the ego starts to kick in there's all (laughs) get us to make bad decisions so you gotta you gotta get through that 100 percent. you're totally right you know and it's it was um that was just kind of the lesson there was like just because i was allowed a good amount more money like especially being like a first-time home buyer like if you're looking for your first house hack or like you know, your first investment property, like as just an investment, like still keep in mind, you know, like the leverage that you're using. And, you know, if something was to happen where, you know, like a, a COVID or something like that, like, you know, is this actually too much for you to, to bite off? Or, you know, is this like a decent amount of challenge, you know, to be able to, that's like way, it's not like so much bigger than you that like if things hit the fan, like you're toast, like you don't even stand a chance, but you know, just enough challenge. Yeah. (laughs) You know, no, I'll I'll say there's so many houses out there. Like you don't have to blow your brains out, jacking a house up. Yeah. (laughs) You put the house down, you finish it. And like, then, then half the house is cracked and all the windows are cracked. Right. And so why would you put yourself through that? Just when there's probably a house very similar to that, you just haven't seen it yet, but you will. Exactly. And like, there's a lot of lessons to be taken from that. You know what I mean? Like, like patience and like, you know, just like going out and and checking out like even different kinds of properties. But like what I did learn from that one 
was that I really, really dug like the three and four units over the two, you know, for. That was a great benefit you got. You got all kinds of lessons out of this deal. Yeah. For just paying for an inspection. Like the amount I learned from that single inspection, like I'm going to carry this stuff for the rest of my life, you know, for like me as a buyer, um, an agent, like helping clients and stuff out, like the lessons that I learned from that are, you know, so much bigger than, you know, just the money, you know, it's just the tuition cost, you know, (laughs) you know, what could happen too now outside of, of living there, if you're just buying stuff for investment and you buy something that all of a sudden is super labor and price intensive yeah, is what happens is now maybe you have X amount of liquidity and you could do a deal and a half and then you could do a deal and now you can do half a deal. So you're not just raise, you know, half now to do a deal with another one. Yeah. But if you get into that deal, it takes up all your time. And then all that money that was set aside for the next deal all gets pushed into that deal and you get handcuffed. And then we, I call that opportunity cost, right? Yeah. So now you were going to do that second deal and you're going to make a ton of money and now you can't do it. So getting tied up into a bad deal, is, it, it, it really, it's, <laughs> I, I know because I, I, unfortunately that story, I didn't back out <laughs> of my deal on my <laughs> second deal. I got into a project that ended up giving me a ton of opportunity cost really tied me up for a lot like a year tied me up and, and it, it was a big lesson for me so at least you got out of that one unfortunately in um, maybe 2006 um, I experienced something very similar right I actually I actually went through with it yeah and it's tough man like you just never know you know and like you know I mean it's probably going to happen you, you, you're not going to hit a home run on every deal like yeah. there's going to be singles and there's going to be some bad deals but what happens is, especially people use hard money a lot. You get into a bad deal and you use hard money. So now you ha- you kind of have to refinance and you put 20% down or f- you put 15% down and you think, well, I'm going to add value. So by the time I go to refinance this, I'll be at a 70% LTV and I'll get a nice 30 year you know, fixed loan. But if you get into a bad deal, number one, you might be dialing for dollars halfway through the deal because you ran out of money. And then two, Next thing you know, you're at like an 85% LCB when you finish. And then you can't get a loan and then you're in trouble. It's, it can be, I think um, in general, like it's there, it's there, but if you use private, excuse me, if you use a private money, you shouldn't be using it unless you're getting like a, a you know, a good deal. Yeah. This is more expensive and riskier. Exactly. You know, yeah, it's, you know, the balance with leverage is, is a really interesting thing. You know, like that, that just kind of like that one deal, you know, just kind of showed me like, I'm like way over my head in this price range, especially if it needs work. So like, I got to tone it down a little bit and, you know, yeah, you know, just like drop it down a little bit, like to somewhere I'm a little bit more comfortable where it's still a challenge where like, you know, if you need to be like put work into something, you'll be able to, and like, you're not putting yourself in a dangerous position. And like that led me to you know, making the decisions, um, you know, that I have since then, um, you know, and keeping like the three or the four family mentality and just swapping areas. And it's, you know, (laughs) it's been a a world of a difference just from that one. We had talked before about having um, friends and people close to you that are in the business 
-hmm. that can be an online relationship where it's just somebody that you maybe never met, but you're sharing stories online. Yeah. But if you're in that position, be very careful about who's advising you. Yeah. Because if you have somebody who is a wholesaler and they're telling you how great this deal is, and then the real estate agent is telling you how great this deal is, well, <laughs> think about where is their true interest lie? It lies, I'm not saying that they're, they're, they're necessarily lying to you, but you make sure you have people whose interests are aligned with your interests because the interest of the wholesaler is to make a wholesale fee. Real estate agents are fantastic and it's great to have a great agent. I think you got to build a relationship with somebody that you can trust, but a real estate agent is making money off the transaction. So it's really important when you're there, especially when you're new, yeah. because it's harder for you to understand what the what what's going on right it's hard for you to understand that oh my god this foundation thing can be bigger than i thought and so i think it's even more important or it's it's another reason why it's important to have a good like sphere of people that are experienced that you can lean on yeah that's super big man like because like it's unfortunate like especially you know for people just starting off of like like you said like potentially getting taken advantage of you know and i, I really like the way you worded that too of like finding out where the people that you know you're like working with like where their interest really lies you know and like i'm not gonna knock on wholesalers here guys but like just you know something that, can i knock on a little bit no i'm just no kidding. no no, no. <laughs> you didn't at all. I, I, no, there's a lot of wholesalers that have value you go ahead <laughs> no this 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 is really valuable like you're right you know i mean like you, you've heard like stories of like you know, unrealistic ARVs. And like, if you don't do your due diligence or like, don't have the, the knowledge of doing your due diligence, like it might not be that high, you know, right. but like the intention of the wholesaler or, you know, of the agent is going to be different than, you know, yeah, right. but you just have to kind of find out, you know what I mean? Like if they really have your, your true interests at heart, I think that's a great way to go back to say, to use um, social media again. You can use social media to say, I think if you posted something, if you can find, you know, in, in a niche ecosystem where you have people that you've dealt with before or not, and you post, hey, I'm, I am a first time home buyer. I love this property and I can see myself being so happy here. But I, there seems to be uh, be, be matchsticks holding up the uh, foundation. Is this okay? <laughs> yeah. Like you might get people that you never never talk to again, giving you experiences that they've had, yeah. right? Rather than asking the wholesaler, "Is this okay?" Right? That would be a terrible idea. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. <laughs> the sales agent said it's not going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, even um. You know, like a place like Bigger Pockets. You know, like you can ask like just about any question. That's a great like about, one. that's a great one. That's a great one. And like people across the the country and stuff will be able to respond to you. You know, and it's completely independent from like the parties that you're you're working with. Like some right. guy from like Oregon could be like, oh dude, like you know, like matchsticks holding up your the rest of your house. Like that's a huge problem. Like get the hell out of there. Or my or guys working my committee and say. 
It is a problem, but let me tell you exactly what you can do. You hire an engineer, then you hire a company jack up the house, then you sift through all the joists, and then you put it down, and then you got to get supplemental insurance because if they put it down and it all cracks, then you have to do the house over, or you can't get it, or you got to, you know, at least now you know a path, and then that path might be an eighty thousand dollar path that is worth it because you're getting such a good deal in the house or not. Exactly. You know, I, you know, I feel like it, pretty much everything it just kind of stems back to like going out and creating that that network that like your team you know and like that's there for support like you know to do deals together to help each other out because like this stuff isn't easy and like it's not something that you're gonna learn in a day you know like it's oh, it's like a I'm lifetime of new, like i learn every day if you're not the one thing sometimes i see from the super inexperienced younger people sometimes yeah. is they have uh sometimes have a mentality of, I sound like an old stick in the mud right now, but sometimes that mentality of like, oh, I know everything. Don't tell me anything. Yeah. And I think it doesn't matter if you've been doing anything for a year or 10 years, the day that you stop learning, you're just like here and everybody else is going to continue to grow up from you. And you got to, you, I learn stuff. You learn all, all the time. Usually from making really stupid mistakes, but like whatever it is, <laughs> you got learning experiences over that are too costly. Yeah, exactly. And that's the really big thing is like, whatever you're going through, like, like you need to be able to learn from it. You know, like I said, like with that house in Lowell, like I learned so much from that, like that's, I'm going to carry on, you know, for the rest of my life. And then like being able to, to have that team to go to or even like another person that has like, you know, just one deal or something like that might be able to provide a different set of eyes or a different kind of insight to what's going on. And I mean, sometimes it is like, you know, if you, if like your foundation's cracked or something like that, like you might think it's a catastrophe based on the experiences that you've went through so far. But if you're able to ask somebody else that's in your network, like that you connected with and like you built a solid relationship with, they might be like, oh, dude, like, here's this guy's number. Like, just give him a bus. Like, it doesn't look like it's that bad. And like, right. that could be the difference of moving and forward that, on a deal right. or not. 100%. That guy might come in and say, actually, you're right. It isn't that bad. We don't even have to jack up the house. You know, we just have to put some sort of, you know, sister grace. Joyce in. Yeah, Grace, all kinds of things. It's huge, you know, like just building that network. It is, it, there is definitely both sides of that because I've actually seen people not buy a house because of something that was a really small problem that they were scared of and they ran away when it was really easy fix. So I guess there's, there's two sides to that coin. Yeah. I mean, and even like, you know, to kind of go in a little bit of a different direction, like people like who want to invest in real estate, but have all these, you know, this bucket list of reasons, like why they don't want to. It's like, oh, like, I don't want to, you know, manage tenants or, you know, I don't want to fix toilets at 3 a.m. You know, the, the classic. Um, well, you, can I just, I'm going to just like, this is what I hear. I don't want to go down the path of entrepreneurism. Um, I want to, I'm either scared, I'm comfortable, and I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. That's yes. what I hear. Yes. And that's okay. I mean, I think they're making a mistake, but everybody has a right to do what they want. Yeah. But you got to take that little, you got to take that like scared thing and you got to get it, you got to get it out. You got to brush it off and you have to go for it. Yeah. Or not. That's up to you, but that's the path you got to exactly. take. Exactly. 
you know, and like the thing that I find interesting too, especially with real estate is like, if you have like a challenge that's come up, like you're probably not <clears throat> the first person to have dealt with that challenge before. Like somebody out there has probably had that same exact thing happen before, you know? And like, if you can, you know, ask and be able to, to hear out, you know, their experiences and, and like their advice and stuff, you know, like it's like, <laughs> like real estate's been done for so many years. Like it's, you know, like how many like actual, like brand new problems like might come up, you know what I mean? Like, I agree. I do. The one thing I will say is I feel like, I feel like at least a few times a week, a problem comes up on lending that I've like not dealt with before. <laughs> I do feel like it happens a lot, but I'm not saying it hasn't happened to somebody else. It just it happens to me all the time, which is good. I think uh, you got to look at every problem as an opportunity, right? Yeah, to learn of something. And then every time you get a problem like that and you get through it, then you like, you gain a little bit of confidence, I think. And that's the big thing too, is like, you know, the more like problems that you've had to deal with and like the more challenges, you know, the more knowledge you're getting that's hands-on and like the more confidence that you're getting. And now all of a sudden, you know, like you're asking 10 of your friends if they want to go in on a building together, <laughs> you know, like the more you you do it and like the more that you, like go through i guess like like it might kind of suck in the moment like everything that's going on but in the bigger picture you know it's probably a really good thing that like you've had to go through some of those experiences and like the amount that you've learned and stuff from that is sounds like it can be huge yeah i think too when you do run into problems in business you can you can i think actually that's not true in business or in life you can uh, build relationships too or not you can destroy relationships too. <laughs> but there's definitely an opportunity yeah. to build relationships if you and a few of your friends go on a deal and it goes south you guys will either come out stronger or not talking to each other right? yeah. <laughs> too fast that you can go down i think and yeah. so i think there's a little lesson there too to like kind of choose wisely yeah. who you go in business with i totally agree and like even like you know if things did go sour like if, if you're able to, you know, kind of like step back from what happened and kind of figure out like what happened and how you can avoid that for the future. Like, I feel like all the power is, is just making sure that you learn from it. And, you know, cause when you come back the second time, maybe with like different people or a different kind of deal or something, like you can leverage the experience from the first time to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again or less. <laughs> You know, so like, what, what do you, sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead, you go ahead. <laughs> no, so like, basically, like, all I was going to say was, um, you know, pretty much just figuring out like what part of your, your process or like your, your standard operating procedures, do you have to alter for the next time that you want to, you know, like go into a deal with people? Like, you know, what was kind of like on your end, like almost try to like take ownership of it. And, you know, I, I don't know you know, how applicable that will be to every situation, but just try and figure out like whatever problem happened, like, how can I try and prevent that for next time or like adapt, you know, so we'd have to like come up with maybe like a different solution for that, or like, maybe we can avoid that altogether or, you know, just adapting. I, I totally agree. And I think when you, when you do make a mistake, 
that lesson is is like pretty much like just stays right here for the rest of your life yeah. but you can still learn lessons without having to, to kill yourself from talking to people that have done it longer than you and from being on social media from listening to audible books there's a whole ways to do it and again there's no lesson like doing something stupid right <laughs> but yeah. there's still all kinds of ways that hopefully we can mitigate it and i do it myself all the time i think always be trying to learn more information and try to help you you know hedge your mistakes for the future yeah always absorbing you know and that's something really big too is like you know just having <clears throat> conversations and like listening to podcasts and reading books and stuff like like you get to kind of learn from the experiences of other people like if you know and like you're like not involved like it, it almost sounds like selfish in a way like I, I haven't figured out like a way to to word it like it, it's not but I, I don't know but like basically being able to kind of hear like oh like you know like I went to go do this project and like this thing happened and like you know things end, ended up falling through and like if you're able to kind of like put yourself in their shoes I guess you could say and you know just kind of like absorb that lesson you know to a, a much lesser degree than than they did um you know like if you're able to take that and be like oh like next time like you know that's something to keep in mind is like because this happened to to so and so like you know maybe have a little bit more reserves next time you know just in case something like this were to happen or you know i'm being able right. to take in like just from like you said like absorbing like all the time you know, and hearing all of these different stories and stuff and, and learning those lessons, um, you know, to, to benefit you. A great, a great way to do that. If you are, you're a real estate agent, if you're a real estate agent and you're, you want to become a real estate mogul, you want to own a whole bunch of real estate. That's what you want to do. You want to be an investor. Yeah. Work with investors. Even if you had to work for free yeah. or you just had a, work much harder than you did with anybody else for less money. You're getting so much value out of being around people that are doing what you want to do. I would, that's what, that's what I did almost unintentionally, but I ended up when I was in, so I was a real estate agent when I started, we talked about that and I never gravitated towards selling owner occupied properties. I always gravitated towards the real estate investors. Yeah. And those guys mentored me, whether they wanted to or intentionally or not, just by being around them. Yeah. And like, it's, it's insane. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a much bigger thing than like just the dollar, like just being around people and like, you know, like, like how can you, you know, just like help people out even to like be around, you know, like I love like, you know, if people need a hand, like with their properties or something like that. And, you know, like if you're painting or, you know, what have you. Like be like, all right, man, like he'll come and help you, you know, like, cause you're getting the experience of like, just doing that same thing, like, you know, and, and helping them out and like, like money doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's just the experience and like, you know, like you're able to kind of like get your foot in the door into like whatever they're doing, you know, and giving them value by like helping them out or like, you know. I feel like it's yeah. a really powerful thing. <laughs> yeah. In general, I think when you're in business and you're starting out, you have to like give all this value out and you, you may, you know, and the return will come, but you're planting seeds and you're not going to give the value out. And then you're going to make all this money. Like you're going to give that value out. And then over time, it's going to come back. Yeah. 
even if whether you have to like do rentals for the for the for the for the investors and doing rentals for free or doing cmas for banks or meeting appraisers for them and there's a whole bunch of things that you can do uh for investors that you know as long as you're getting some sort of value in return of course and like I want to, you know, talk about something right there, you know, real quick that you just said is you might not see the return right away, but eventually it'll, it'll come eventually, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I think it's the same premise in social media. I think you can't like, you know, the whole idea of social media is to give value to people. I mean, you want people to know who you are and about you, but to be able to give value to people. And then I think when you give something to somebody, they human nature is for them to want to give something back to you. Yeah exactly you know it's it's really crazy you know and even like like just having fun like doing this kind of stuff like and just you know helping people out and everything and like obviously i mean you know it's like there's money involved here and like you know all of us you know want to make returns and stuff but like it's so much bigger than that you know like it's (laughs) it's crazy yeah the one thing the younger generation i think has is like time though like you might think you, you you might think like oh I really want to be rich I need money now, but your expenses are actually way lower now than they'll ever be in your life. Yeah. When once you're 35 and you and you start having kids, now you're really in a position where you, you do need money yeah. to live. But when if you're living at, living at your parents' house or you're living in the first three family you bought and you have three roommates, you're you know you're actually not in a position where you're bills are, are like catastrophic willing you over your head over, excuse me banging you over the head right with bills where you have to make a certain amount of money yeah it's the perfect time to 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 give value out for free all you can to plant those seeds for it all to come back for success i bet you if you really wanted to get be successful in real estate agent then if you brokers who are super successful in your office they probably all do the same thing yeah <coughs> i, I really like that for a second yeah i know my answer, i just went a little haywire there but yeah no i i, I did uh kind of hear what you said there and yeah I, I think that's ridiculously valuable you know and yeah like that's that's something that like i i try and like strive to tell uh, people especially on the lower um like a get the younger side of the spectrum, I guess, like about this kind of stuff. And even just kind of like put it in front of them and be like, Hey, like, you know, is this something that might interest you, you know, and like to be able to plant that seed and like, let them know, like super, super early, you know, and just be like, Hey, like, this is something like the earlier that you start, like you said, like, you know, you're in a, a position that you're most likely have a lot less expenses than you would like if you started later. I mean, it's, it's great though. Like anyone starts at all, you know, and you can also take risks and you can, if those risks end up not working out and then, and you get tied up for two or three years, yeah. you can recover from those risks easier when you're younger than you can when you're older. So exactly. I think, I mean, I think 21 is like crazy. If you're buying a 21, you are so far ahead of the game. <laughs> I think if you can just before you're, because th- we see it, right? Like I, we, I'm seeing guys in their 20s still buying these huge projects. But I think if you can just get into it even before, if you can get into it when you're in your 20s, you're going to be so far ahead of the game. 
I appreciate that. And you're, you're, your property's going to be paid off when you're my age. When you're <laughs> my age, you'll have two years left on your mortgage. <laughs> you know, and like, I, I was extremely lucky, like that I kind of found this stuff this early. Like I, I was sitting a little bit before I was 18. I, um, I was just on my computer one day and like something, like, I don't know what it was. Like something just told me to look up what investing was. And like, that's the best Google search I've ever had ever, <laughs> you know, like just looking it up and like, I just fell in love with it. I'm like, Whoa, like there's, there's a whole nother part of life than like, you know, just working. And like, that's all the money you have and that's it. And like, you know, like everybody gets the same 24 hours, you know, like, do you just have to build like a super successful business, like to be able to be rich? No, you don't like there's there's so much more to it than that. And like we were talking about earlier with like the much lower barrier to entry with real estate, like that's a lot more possible, you know, than trying to like, you know, like buy like a franchise or something like that, you know, right. using an earlier right. example where you need like, you know, hundreds, like half a million dollars or something like that. You know, with FHA, like, or not, well, kind of, but, you know, with lower down payment loans, like three and a half percent of, you know, uh, I'm trying to think numbers off the top. Half a million dollars is 15 grand, right? Exactly. Oh, 20, 20 grand, right? I mean, that's 20 that's grand is more valuable than 200 grand. Yeah, that's a lot more attainable. It, <laughs> Super early. You don't, and you don't even, even if you're not staying on just the real estate path, if you at a young age or any age start to, and you should, everybody should be taking advantage. I think FHA should be used your first house buy a three or four family. Don't buy a single family. That is a liability when a three or four family is an asset. And you, you buy that, that single family, it's going to, it's, it's, it's actually like, it's a weight on you every month, unless you buy a giant single family and you have like six roommates, right? It's going to be real tough to be cash flow positive. But you can buy one or two or three properties, even if you just bought one with FHA. If five or ten years later that property goes up two or three hundred thousand in, in value, how hard is it to save money? It's really hard to save money when we get paid. There's taxes and living expenses. Every dollar that goes into your pay when you say you make X a year, your disposable income on that. Is, is like the pennies, right? Small pennies on that. If, if anything, you might be have the disposable income and want to just go out to dinner once in a while and save anything. Yeah. And you have, if you do want a franchise or any kind of business opportunity that you need liquidity, you need a couple hundred grand. Now you have an asset that you can leverage and you can pull 200 grand out of that asset to open a Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, you know, whatever you want to open up or do. So there's exactly. all kinds. It gives you the whole. I think what you really want, wealth is great, income is good, but what you really want is financial freedom. That's what you want. You want to be able to do what you want, and then when you have this great idea, the ideas are like worthless if you can't like act Execute. on it. Yeah. So you and you you don't necessarily have to have money. You can have an idea, and you can get people to invest in you. There's other ways to do it. But it's much easier to do if you have assets you can leverage and now use liquidity to do whatever makes you happy. Of course. And Michael, even like if you're just working like your day job, like where, like <laughs> what kind of day job can you do where you're going to have like, you know, 
another $50,000, like, you know, that you can just kind of put aside and like, not worry about it. Like, like guys, like we all get the same 24 hours, you know, like working in day job is great, but like, what about like, if you bought even, like you said, like one rental property, like ever, like even if it was just one, like that's it. And you know, now you're getting paid from, uh, like the rents appreciation, hopefully tenants paying your mortgage and your bills down and not even to mention like the tax benefits and stuff. Like you could be getting paid technically like what four ways, I think like bigger pockets or something like that. That's like four more ways. You like, that. Oh, you mean because of depreciation, yeah. the cash flow, the write-off tax write-off, and then the actual income you're earning. Exactly. Yep. I mean, bad. I don't know if I said those twice, but yeah, no, I like that. That's smart. You know, like you know, that's... If you think about it. If you think the property you just bought, let's just say it was it's worth five hundred thousand, and let's just say you bought it thirty years ago, and you have been dumping money for the last twenty years into your four hundred one k. How much money does the average person right now that's um, 21, 51 years old have in their 401k? Like, I don't know, but maybe it's a half a million. And then how much of that half a million did they dump in out of their pocket and how much came from the interest on it? And then 30 years ago, you took, you probably at that point, 30 years ago, would have paid less money, but let's just say today's money, whatever you three and a half percent out of you 20 grand and now you have five hundred thousand dollars that probably would have been paid off it's crazy you know and like you know like what kind of returns are you getting in like a retirement account roughly well like you know, like six to eight percent i think like the stock market is like s p 500 or whatever it probably is now the, the but it used to be prior to the last 10 years five or ten years it was like um yeah, I think it was more like five to seven, but it's probably gone up because the returns in like the last 10 years have been insane. Yeah. And like, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, like real estate is just like, it's like nothing else. Like it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> and like, I'm, I can't wait you're, to like. You're, you're 20,000 that you're putting into this property is gonna, is gonna work real hard for you. Yeah. Much harder than if you dump it into your 401k, I can tell you that. Exactly. And like you said, you know, like later on to be able to, either like sell it uh like 1031 exchange it into a bigger property if you wanted to like you know take a heloc refinance and be able to get that money from the past you know sell it else? sell it and pay for your kids college <laughs> like whatever <Yeah. laughs> buy the college no i'm just kidding <laughs> it's like, but yeah. You, yeah having yeah giving having um money and access to money gives you the freedom to, to either live the life that you want to work less and have a better quality of life or to do something in business or personal that takes like a high liquidity event. Yep. And even like two men, like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like if, <laughs> like, if you think about it too, like if you're looking to say you want to like refinance or take a HELOC or something, you know, like you've had your building for a while, um, you know, appreciation has been pretty nice to you. Say you can take like 50,000 out, right? Now, like looking at it, like in a certain context, like, did you work like, you know, all those hours for that money? Like if, like, could you like take a piece of paper and like write down, like I worked like X amount of hours or X amount of years for this additional $50,000, 
like that I was able to take out, like just from like the background, you know, just from like the town or city appreciating, like it's like, did you work like, like hour for hour for that? Or, <laughs> you know, like it, it's almost like, it's like, like free money in a way, you it know, is. it's, it's a no brainer. Like it's crazy. Right. Cause then you buy a stock or paper asset, you're buying it dollar for dollar. Yeah. But you're with the FHA, you're buying it at three and a half percent. So you get 96 plus percent leverage. But even after that, you're oftentimes getting 75 to 80 percent leverage. Yeah. And so I think in uh, there's also a lot of other factors. Like when you do stocks and you cash in a stock, there's an immediate tax event. You can actually push your tax event on real estate through tax-free exchanges really uh, until you die if you want to. And then your kids can just continue not to sell the property and continue to not, you know, just keep pushing that tax event. So there's a lot of benefits of it. It really is. You know, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. So I got one more question for you here, Michael. <laughs> um, and we talked about it a little bit, but uh, the question is, do you read and what is your favorite business <laughs> investing or real estate book that you would recommend to anyone if you had to pick one? <laughs> I probably, this is an old, well, I like, um, I know, I know that this is like a, the Donald Trump book, I hate to say, it cause he was president and he was all political and stuff, <laughs> but the think big by Donald Trump think big and kick ass is a, such a great entrepreneurial, I think book It's very motivated. Yeah. And then, um, rich dad, poor dad by Robert Kawasaki is, is, uh, is excellent. So I think those two, and then I would employ anybody to, um, get audible or any kind, anything like that. And when you're in your car, it's tough during football season. Cause you want to listen to <laughs> It's difficult. The struggle. <laughs> and it's, for me, it's even harder at the gym. I like to listen to rock music while I work out. Yeah, yeah. But when you're at the gym and you're in your, if you really say, I'm going to push the envelope and I want to be really successful and I want to get out of my comfort zone and I'm willing to do whatever it takes to be successful, you can use the gym and you can use driving time to educate yourself. And you don't even have to read. You can just do it and just listen while you're working out and listen while you're driving. That is gonna give you a huge advantage on everybody else. That's huge. Yeah, I, I definitely love the um, the drive-in one. Like, yeah, you know, throw on a book or a podcast or something and like just kind of zone out and like, you know, drive and like just, yeah. You know, cause like, you're not doing anything. You know what I mean? Like you're just driving, like, <laughs> you know, like you could listen. I, I, I really like to listen to sports radio. It's a struggle. It's a struggle, it, but you gotta, you gotta try it right now. I'm listening to, I'm to a book called scaling up, which is about taking your business from one size and getting and growing it and the growing pains and what other businesses experience in growing pains. Um, but there's all kinds of books out for everything. And there's a lot of really good ones. And if you're in real estate, I would do, instead of starting out, half real estate and just half of the business entrepreneurial type of stuff, coincidental to your podcast as well, <laughs> while you fell into it, because they're just so hand in hand, but Dale Carnegie and Zig Ziglar, these are old names, but they're still work today. There's a lot of really good, I think, um, 
entrepreneurial and, and motivational type of books out there or audio books that you can be listening to rather than, um, you know, wasting your time listening to sports radio. <laughs> I totally agree, man. Like hitting both of those, like, you know, like a, a personal growth, you know, kind of thing, as well as like whatever your niche is, like Absolutely. real estate and like, you kind of need both. Yeah. I never read the seven habits of successful people, but books like that, I think that aren't necessarily entrepreneurial and aren't necessarily in real estate, they're all should be in your like a uh, foundation you should have before you start getting laser focused on real estate. I would get all focused on yourself, focus on your you know business side and what path you want to take and then marry in some real estate stuff. I totally agree, man. Yeah. I haven't read that. Um, the Trump one there. I, I read uh, The Art of the Deal. I really oh. like that one too. That was a good one. Oh, I think that actually, that's the same. I think it might be the same. Oh no, it's different. I'm not sure if Think Big and Kick Ass. In the I think he's the got deal. a couple, I think. I'm yeah, not well, sure. he's got a few. Yeah, he's got a few of them. But, uh, but if you hate him, that's okay. Just try to get the <laughs> out of the book. And if you can't do it, there's plenty of other people. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you say that, man. Like there was a... Uh, a while back when I read that book, I um like I posted on Instagram about it because like it, I liked like the business lessons and like the story and stuff. And there were a couple people that freaked out on me. And I'm like, guys, I'm like, I'm just talking about the business portion. I'm like, I don't care whatever you like. Whatever you that, don't. Yeah, right. I'm like, I don't do the whole politics thing. Like, I just like the book. OK, I, I don't know. Go to Facebook. Go to Facebook. <laughs> go fight with somebody else. <laughs> just, I'm trying to figure out like what my best ROI is for my dollar. OK, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'm like, come on, guys. Whatever. But, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so, so much for coming on here, Michael. It's thank been you. What, like I'm two really hours or something like that. that. Great, man. Like incredible. So we're on uh, like social media and stuff. You know, can you and the business be found? I'll drop everything. <laughs> um, so I think the best way to find me is or us is on LinkedIn. Yep. And we have a link. It's, it's, uh, it's Real Estate Finance Boston, but it's, it's RF-Boston. And you can, uh, my cell phone is 617-908-0612. You can uh, text or call me. I'll get you uh, somebody that could really probably help you if you want to know more about private lending or anything about us. Um, we're on Instagram uh, and Facebook, but I don't, I don't personally you know, really use those too much. I'm more on LinkedIn, and I think that's kind of the best place to find us. Yeah, I'll, I'll drop everything below. Thank you so, so much for coming on here again, Michael. That was amazing. All right, guys, that concludes our Creating Wealth podcast episode for today. I want to thank every single person that has listened this far. It really means a lot to know that people can learn from me and with me as we build wealth together. Hopefully you can take home at least one thing from this podcast that will improve your life just a little bit. If you could, please check me out on social. That's at Kyle Curtin Real Estate on Instagram, Facebook, and I'm on Bigger Pockets. Until next time, let's build together.